started a new series today. It's called Reset. And, um, you know, in times that we walk with Jesus, if you've, uh, even if you've been, if you've been a, a follower of Christ for many years, or, or maybe you just recently became a follower of Christ, a lot of times what, what can happen is that through our walk with the Lord, um, sometimes we can lose our fire and our uh, joy and our enthusiasm for following Him. And, uh, and a lot of times, just because of maybe circumstances happen and you get your eyes off of the Lord, it could be success. I mean, success can bring you away from the Lord just as much as bad things can happen. And so um, I really felt like back in July, I, I do prayer retreats uh, twice a year. And, uh, and I wasn't actually praying for 2019 at all. I was, I was uh, praying actually for the coming fall. But the Lord just really put 2019 on my heart. And, uh, and so he began to give me a couple, a couple things, a couple scriptures, which I'm going to share my word for 2019 uh, for you here in just a moment. And, um, but he put on this, this word reset, to, to reset everything. And so some of the things we've actually been doing as elders in prayer and, and seeking the Lord or what that looks like here for our church. But I, I really feel like it's more also for us as resetting our heart, because you, you're 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 running through life, and it's so easy to to really lose that passion, that desire for the Lord. Um, you know, if, how many guys have computers? And anymore, you usually have to have a computer. You would, if your computer is sluggish, the first thing you think about is to restart it or to reset it. Um, there's two types of resets that you can do. You can do reset, which is soft reset, which is just to restart it. Not much going on. It's it's a little inconvenience, but not too bad. But the other one is a hard reset, where you really get down to the root of the problem. That you mean you take away, um, you take away programs that were in there, the old programs. You have to go search in its directories and find maybe little things that are slowing it down. It's a, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot harder to be able to do that. More pain is involved in doing that. And I feel like that's the type of reset um, we need to make as not only at just a church, but even individually is really to figure out what has come into our life that's not of the Lord. What has come into our life that is uh, hurting us, okay? What is coming into our life that, is, that has, has uh, slowed us down, that has got our eyes off of Jesus? And we need to, we need to do some resets. We need to, we need to put our, our lives under a magnifying glass and say, God, um, there's something, what, what is in me that is causing me not to be as on fire for you, not to be on, not to uh, enjoy prayer and enjoy your word or enjoy worship anymore. Um, what is getting my eyes off you? Because there's some things that really easily comes in us, and uh, we need to be able to take those out. Okay, and so I, I, you got to put your life under that. So, um, so the first, and so this whole series is about different areas in our life that we need probably to look at and put under the magnifying glass of the Word of God and really reset and really just be honest. And I want you to be honest with yourself um, in this and, and ask the Lord, especially the, not only during this time of prayer and fasting, but throughout these weeks. So the first thing we need to reset is our heart. And so um, God gave me, I'm going to try to fix this. I'm still ringing up here. Um, you, okay, come up here and bring it to me. Um, but I'm probably going to change over back to this, so try to... Yeah, I did turn it up, it's still ringing. Tilt it up? Oh, is it coming out? It's rubbing. Okay, is that better? Try it. 
Check it, check, 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 check. Okay, good. Okay, so um, you can turn me down, though, because <laughs> I'm going to get louder. <laughs> okay, so um, so the Lord gave me two sets of Scripture. First one, you can turn there, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, and it says this, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and and destruction. Now, um, God has to, you know, He gives us a free will. In order for you and I to have a free will, there has to be a choice, right? There has to be a choice between whatever He wants you to have, which is life and prosperity, but there also has to be a choice of death and destruction. You say, Sean, that would be foolish. No one's going to choose death and destruction. Well, you do it every day, right? In some ways. I mean, you're choosing things that may not bring life to you. How many of you eat sugar? No, not it's it, not right now because you're fasting it. But anyway, I mean, but there, there. I mean, we 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 do things that we because of comfort or because of um, we just want things a little bit different. So we choose things, but there has to be a choice. So there's he set before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. In verse 16, for I've commanded you today to love your God, to walk in obedience to him. Jesus says that if you obey me, um, you love me. If you want to love me, you're going to obey me. Obedience is really a form of love. You know, you may not understand it. You may not like it that you have to do it. You may not feel like obeying, but the choice is faith in him and obeying him, okay? And so... um, so it says, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, then you will live and increase. How many guys like that? You like to live and increase in 2019. Sounds good to me. And the Lord will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. Now this is part of the word that the Lord has for us today, is that God has a land for you to possess in 2019. He has a place for you to be. He has things to happen in your life that he wants you. He has a plan for you in 2019 that he wants you to possess. And, and that land could be freedom in, in, in some areas that you've struggled with. It could be, um, that land could be victory in some other areas. It could be in your marriage that you have, you're going to have a better marriage and like never before in 2019 or relate other relationships, friendships or or whatever. It could be um, a healing, maybe healing uh, physically or healing uh, emotionally. Um, it could be your children, you know, coming home. Maybe you, you, don't, you don't talk to your children. There's some, some wedge between you. That's going to go away. He wants you to possess that land. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's new favor. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's getting out of debt. Maybe it's um, a financial blessing. Maybe it's salvation for your friends, your family, your co-workers, people you've been praying about. Maybe it's some new ministry that God wants you to start in 2019. And so there's a land that God wants you to possess in 2019. And he's saying, he says, listen, if you, if you want to get that land, I've said before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. I command you to love the Lord God, to walk in his ways and walk in obedience to him. In verse 17, he says this though, but if your heart turns away and you're not obedient. And a lot of times we think about that, that's somebody who is completely rejecting God. And you can't think about it that way because it doesn't take much for a heart to turn away. It doesn't mean you're rejecting, you're just not giving him prominence in your life, okay? So if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, 
and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them. In our day, what are gods that we like to worship? Uh, it's, it's really anything that takes away your heart, takes away your time and your resources from the Lord. Um, anything that, that you're, you're really focused on other than the Lord. He says, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. So he's saying you may cross into that land, you may cross into that, but it's going to be fleeting. You're not going to really possess it. You're going to see it, it's, um, but you're not going to reach. It's like if you're thirsty and there's a glass of water, and, but it's a mirage, and you keep on trying to reach for it and you can't drink it. That's what's pretty much what's happening. You have it all around you, but it's, you're not possessing it and in it. And so in verse 19, then he says this, this day I call the heavens and earth as witness against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. Some version says it, says, says it like this. Oh, that you would choose life. He wants us to choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. You need to underline verse 20 there. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land that he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I know this is written mainly to, to, to Israel, but it, we, we gain a lot from this. And I really feel like this is, a, this is part of what the Lord wants to do, that he wants to bring you into a new land, into a new place that you've been praying for, you've been believing God. It's already in your heart. God already has it in there, and he wants you to see it. He wants you to see it come into fruition. He wants to see you to lay hold of it. And, um, and we, need to, we need to hold fast to him. You know, that word hold fast is, is that you, you, you grab onto him, that you, you hold tightly and firmly, and that, that, that passion, that desires, that you won't relent in, in, in going after the Lord. He wants you to hold fast to him and go after him. So this is what the Lord's really calling us to do is is to get back into that place of choosing life in every situation that means we're going to choose him you know he is life god is life that we're going to choose him in every situation we're going to obey what he tells us to do but we're going to go after him and we're going to hold tightly to him in 2019 and god's going to do some amazing things now let me go on to this next part because um, this next set of verses, turn to Revelation chapter 2, because it goes along a line, because this is a group of people in Revelation chapter 2, a church that the Lord spoke in some ways to some of the same things. And, uh, and, and, uh, and he confronted them, and that they needed to really push the reset button. And when I say push the reset button, we need to really figure out why am I really doing this? Am I really choosing life and prosperity? And, you know, I'm not talking, prosperity doesn't just mean money. I want you to make sure you get your mind just off of that. Prosperity is completely the prosperity of God, you know, being the life of God, living God's kind of life. And so are we really pushing in to do this? So here in, the, in Revelation chapter 2 is the church of Ephesus. And, um, and Jesus is speaking to them. He says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these are the words of him who hold the seven stars in his right hand and walk among the seven golden lampstands. I don't have time to really go into depth in that, but we'll do that later. But verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. 
I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor because you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And verse 7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Amen? Okay, let me explain a couple things what's going on here. And the first thing that Jesus does is he commends them. The city of Ephesus, where this church was located, was a, was a mighty and majestic city. It was a center of trade. There had... There was four different types of trade routes that were coming in to Ephesus. It was a, um, um, back then in that time, was like a, a really big, wonderful city. It was, it was a city much like a New York or, you know, Miami, you know, that type of thing that people would want to go to. And, uh, um, but it was also um, a very pagan city. In fact, one of the largest temples that were ever created in the ancient world was there, the temple of Armadus. And, and this was one of the seven wonders of the world at this time um, when Jesus is talking um, to them, okay? So this was going on. So if you go into the book of Acts, you don't have, we don't have time, but Acts chapter 20 really talks about this area, um, the church of Ephesus. And, and it gives us really background on this church and tells us that Paul preached there. Not only did he preach there, he lived there for three years. So he, he discipled many of these church fathers and leaders here. And so we also had the book of understanding, so uh, book of Ephesus, to really understand what was going on here in Ephesus, that they were a very um, knowledgeable people of the Word of God. They knew the Word of God. They understand who they were in Christ. They knew how to walk with Christ. They knew how to, to worship Him and engage in spiritual warfare. These weren't, these weren't people that were um, um, uh, um, immature Christians in a sense. They, they knew the Word. They knew, they knew what was being taught. In fact, um, their problem was not their failure to understand good doctrine because um, their problem wasn't a lack of perseverance. They're, they're, I mean, they, were, they persevered in some of the, the worst times to be a Christian ever in, in the time of Nero. I mean, the Emperor Nero. I mean, when, when he would uh, go around and, and kill Christians. I mean, it was not, not persecution like we think it. Oh, you, you can't read that or you can't say that. No, um, just because you're a Christian, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out your tongue. Because you're a Christian, I'm going to gouge out your eyes. Because you're a Christian, I'm going to throw you to the lions. Because you're a Christian, I'm going to crucify you. I'm going to kill you. You know, I'm going to behead you. That's the type of persecution we're talking about here. And the church existed in one of the most difficult times of all Christian history. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a weak church at all. It was a church that even stood up against false doctrine and came against uh, people who who didn't know the, know the right doctrine, and they would, they would stand up against that. Uh, the church of Ephesus refused to bow down to Caesar and stood during that time, you know? And so Christ commends them. You know, the church was, was an idol. They were busy, and, 
And they were very busy working for the Lord. They're, you know, they, in a sense, their calendar was full. I mean, people would look at the church of Ephesus. Oh, they're doing something. They're doing something. And, uh, and they were busy for the Lord. They, they took a strong stance in that city. They, were, they rose up into that city as a formidable um, church. But look at verse 4. He says, but I have this against you. Have you, have you ever had somebody tell you how good you are and then say, but? <laughs> well, this is this, this is this time. You, you go into your employer and, you know, you're, he says, man, you get, you're doing just a great job, great job, great job. And you're waiting for it, aren't you? You're waiting for, but I have this against you. This is what Jesus has done. And he says that you've lost your first love. So he begins to counsel them to return to the first love, to keep Jesus first in their heart. You know, they started out strong, but over time they've become, they've, they've changed. You know, a generation at this time has passed since Paul first went to Ephesus. And they remained faithful to the Word of God. They endured hardship, probably like most of us couldn't even understand, this church did, but something was lacking. And they lost their passion, their fervor for Christ, their passionate love, their 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 relationship turned from an intimate, loving Jesus to a form of religion, a form of godliness. They just went through the motions, and they were going in, and they lost their passion, and, and they replaced it by legalism and, and self-righteousness, really. A mechanical form of Christianity was happening at this place. And Jesus says, I have this against you. See, we, so a lot of times we can focus on the form instead of the uh, substance of our faith, which is Jesus. Because we can become, especially here in America, infatuated with knowledge instead of holiness. In fact, we think personal holiness is no longer our quest. We become convinced that knowledge is what makes us holy. Right? And so we're we're all about the study and we're all about getting in, even into the word of God, but we're not into the passion and, and worship alone in him. See, um, the, Jesus had a lot of religious people who knew the Bible, but missed the savior. Right. And so, and so here, that, that's what they were doing. They, you know, we, they were replacing knowledge you know, giving knowledge as an importance and not as um, the passion and love for Jesus. You know, knowledge you can gain for yourself. You know that, right? You don't need the Lord for, to get knowledge. Now, to get God knowledge, you need Him, and to get a supernatural knowledge, you do. But you can, you can know a lot because we have Bible, we have commentaries, you have books out there. You know, there's, there's thousands of books and books and books on everything. You know, they, they, there's nothing new in the sun. You've got a book that comes out, it's new. Someone's already written it about 100 times, you know. I mean, it's, there, there, you have all that, but it becomes into almost a form of self-righteousness that I get to know this and I get to have this. And so they become comfortable with the holy. Then instead of what Isaiah, the awe that Isaiah had when he was in the presence of God is gone from us. And we come more like the sons of Samuel where we've lost our respect for the holiness of God. And in turn, we, guess what? We lose our evangelistic zeal. We, don't, we look at the world as an enemy instead of a mission field. 
See, things begin to change in our lives. And we become insensitive to the Holy Spirit Himself inside of us. Where these little sins, you know, these gossip and pride and, and other things that, that will distract us, we don't really recognize that anymore in our life because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit because we become, become insensitive to Him. And we think we're, we're okay because we have this kind of idea that I'm okay and it's okay, I'm, not, I'm doing well. In fact, we stop comparing our life to Jesus and we compare it to everybody else. And this is how we compare it to everybody else. If I could just be better than him, I'm okay, you know, or her, you know, I'm, I'm okay. You know, we become content with what we are instead of being driven to become more like Christ, become Christ-like. So the passion in the church was gone. Passion becoming more like Christ becomes diminished. We allow other things to sit on the throne of our lives. We, we really relegate Christ to a lesser, lesser position. He's not as important. We put other things as importance in our life. I've got to do this. I've got to be this. I've got to say this. I've got to act this way in front of people. So we begin to love something or someone more than when we love Jesus. And that's not the relationship that Christ wants. So Christ is saying to this church, you've lost your passion. You've lost your heart for me. Yeah, you look good on the outside. Everybody else would say you're a good Christian. But I don't know you. And so the Lord's given this to me back in July. And I've been holding on to this for six months and just praying it through and and I really think that the Lord is speaking to us as a church, us individually, to really reset to the place of our first love. To come to a place of really going after Him and being passionate. Not that we aren't, and not that everyone in here isn't. I think but there's some things in our lives that we may have given the Lordship to something else and that we need to get back. You know, just like in our culture today, Christian culture today, that Christians are finding less and less time to have on a daily basis for Jesus. Instead of being concerned about the things that concern God, they're more concerned about the things in this world and their personal desires. They're unwilling to give all of themselves uh, to Jesus because it inconveniences them and it changes their comfort. We've got to change that. Amen? We've got to come to a place of really seeking after Christ. You know, Christ never asked to be part of your life. He asked for all of it. He never asked to have a place in your heart. He asked for absolute rule and reign in our hearts. He never asked to be one of your many passions. He asked to be your consuming passion. Right? He's asked to, for us, that's all that we, we want is Him. All that I need is you, Jesus. You know, it's a dangerous thing to just go through the motions of Christianity without a passionate love for Jesus. Because if you go through only the motion, there is no power in it, and you will be dissatisfied, and you could be lost. In the process of that, you and I could, could go through the motions and, and then all of a sudden we get disgruntled to, with the Lord. We get mad at, at the Lord. 
See, what Jesus wants is for us to love him like he loves us, right? He demonstrated his love for us. He, his passion for you has never stopped. His passion for us has never stopped. He is just as passionate as he was when he hung on the cross and looked down at his, the people that, that put him there and said, Father, forgive them for, for they know not what they do. He is passionately in love with us. Today, Jesus is saying, remember from where you have fallen, return to your first deeds and the life to which you were called in Christ. You know what happened to the church of Ephesus? You know what happened to the city? It's in ruins under a swamp. That's where it is. The church is no more. Don't know that they took the advice of the Father. Then he says this. He who hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, this message is, um, that he gave in Revelation is addressed to the church as a whole. But he comes down to the individual in verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is where the message speaks to us as individuals. And I believe he is asking us to do the same thing. He asked the church of Ephesus. He's asking us as Cornerstone Church to remember where we once were. He's counseling us to come back to the passion we once had with Jesus and increase and grow in it. Go back to that moment right now. Remember when you got saved? When you gave your life to Jesus for the first time? Remember that time? I remember it. I remember my life completely changed. And I, and I didn't have much of a life then. I was only 12. But, but my whole family's life changed. Because my whole family got saved. It was, there was an excitement like, like no other. I wanted to win the world, you know. And, and uh, I was excited. I was excited about praying for people. I remember my, my parents, you know, back then you, you went to, they didn't have really small groups and uh, back in the 80s. And, and so what was happening is, is that you had, you had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But that wasn't enough for my family. Now, my family went to this church, and we drove 25 miles one way. And I know some of you even do that here today. 25 miles one way. And, um, and we would go all those times, but that wasn't enough. So we would find other places to go, and I'm, I'm talking about we hear about a Bible study. Um, we weren't invited to the Bible study, but we would go and knock on the door and say, I hear you're having a Bible study. And they would say, yeah, come on in. And we would go to Bible studies like that. I mean, we had, that's how we were, that's how hungry my family was. And I didn't think anything of it, even as a kid, even back then, I was kind of a little shy and everything. And and uh, but I I was so excited about going to Bible study. I didn't go hang out with the the kids. I was in I was in the Bible study. I wanted to hear the word of God. I remember that. I mean, just going after it with all my heart. I I, I wanted that. See, God wants you to remember back then. Because if you're not more passionate about the Lord now than you were then, you've fallen away from where you once were. But the great thing is, 
we can get it back. Amen? But we've got we've to push reset. So I believe the word for us as a church, remember where you once were. And be real honest with yourself. Don't think that you matured and you're, because you're not excited about Jesus. Don't, don't, don't believe that lie. Maturity means you're going to be more excited about the Lord. Right? You're going to have more passion for Him. So I want you to, I want you to see that. I have to do the same thing. I have to look at my life. Where am I not passionate about the Lord in? Now, it could be in departments of your life. I mean, you may be thinking, well, I'm really passionate about this part, but in other areas, you're disgruntled or you're not as passionate and you're trying to do it on your own strength. Go back to the moment. Remember when you, what you felt, the stirring in your heart, the adoration that you had for Jesus. Remember how grateful you were for the grace of God and the forgiveness of your sins. Remember at that moment, nothing else mattered, only Jesus, right? And it's time to reset our hearts. So how do we reset our hearts? Number one is that you've got to recognize you need a reset. That's really most important, that I need a reset. And we're going to go through a number of different things. I'm not exactly everything we're going through, but we're going to go through different things, and we're going to say, God, do I need to reset it here? And we're going to show the will of God, what God looks at and what He desires through His Word for us in those areas, whether it's our relationship, whether it's our finances, whether it's how we work and our ministry. We're going to go through it, and you need to say, God, is this what I'm supposed to reset? So you need to, you need to recognize those areas that you need to reset. And maybe we're, and I'm, today I'm talking about your heart. Have you lost that foundational passion for Jesus? Because a lot of things can, can take that away. Sometimes because we lose our passion for the Lord because we got our eyes on ourselves. Selfishness came in. Or because of hardships. You know, I, you know life is hard. And just like, you know, my wife had a word last week um, about you going into 2019 and, and not wanting to believe God and not wanting because you're, you're disgruntled, you're, you're hurt, you, things didn't happen the way you should have been, life goes on. How many guys thought you would be at a different place than you are now 30, 40 years ago or 20 or 10 or 5, whatever how old you are, you know? I, I'm the same way. I mean, I thought things were going to be a little bit different. I never planned on having canes, you know? That's not something you plan on. I mean, that can stop you and make you lose your passion. Hearts have become callous because of some of the, maybe hardships or some things of uh, even mistakes that you've made. Some prayers that haven't been answered. There's a callus around your heart. And what needs to happen is that we need to break that up. We need to have a breakthrough. And so we need to come back to the things we once did in order to experience the breakthrough. So you need to recognize that you need a reset. Number two, you need to fast and pray. If you haven't started, start. Start fasting and praying right now. We're in the first week of fasting and prayer. I'm so thankful for, well, I mean, most, I've only wrote one devo, devotion this week. I mean, I think the rest of them has been from our own people, and you guys have done an amazing job writing those devos. And, uh, uh, and get in, involved in those de- devotions. Look at them, read them, and, and, and let the Lord speak to you. Get in the Word and pray. 
I'm going to be speaking about prayer and how we've lost a passion for prayer. Number three, you need to love Jesus. And let me tell you something. Love is not a feeling. It's a decision. I choose to love Jesus no matter what. Number four, you need to listen to his voice. It means obey what he says. What is, he, what is the Spirit of God telling you? You say, Sean, why? I'm not hearing the voice of God. Well, that's an exact sign that you need a reset. Because he's speaking. So just realize that, listen, the, the time frame that you haven't heard the voice of, of God now is going to be gone. Amen? Because you're going to put a reset. You're going to start pressing into the things of God. And you're going to start hearing His voice. I promise you. I promise you. Recognize you have a reset. Fast and pray. Listen to His voice now. And He's going to, he's going to show you some things. And He's going to tell you to do some things. You're going to hear it in your mind. Don't doubt it. Start to do it. Amen? And then number five, hold fast to Him. Get hold of Jesus. Say, I'm not letting you go until I have a breakthrough. I'm not letting you go until till I see something change in my life. Listen, we need to get a tenacity inside of us that God, I'm not gonna, I need a word from you every single day. I need to hear your voice. And, and God, and when I don't hear your voice, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to do what you last told me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you. I'm going to read your word. And I'm going to line my life out to the will of God because I want the will of God to succeed in my life. Listen, we need, to, we need to see that right now. And God's calling us to reset. He's calling us to come to this place of saying, God, okay, I've lost my passion. And I want it to grow. I want it to grow more. We're going to sing a song here. And in this song, I want us to worship the Lord, but I want us to recommit to get passionate about Him. Because where the Lord's bringing our church really is doing that. If you're online watching, this is for you too. I mean, I, I want you to engage right where you are, are in front of your computer screen or, or your phone or whatever you're watching to engage in this. I love this song that says, one part of the song says, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are where you meet me here again. As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear, like the sun shaping the shadow. In my weakness, your glory appears. I'm not enough unless you come. Wow. It's just God strip us of us, of the junk in our lives. See, Jesus opened up his hands and said, come on. You might have lost some things, but you're not lost. You might have gave up some of your passions for other things. That's okay. It's time to change. I have something great in store for you. I have a land that I want to give you right now. And I want you to walk in it and I want you to possess it. But let's reset our lives. Amen? Let's sing this song. Let's worship the Lord. Just bow your heads. And just, and just re, really ask the Lord, help me reset my life right now. In Jesus' name.